Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, to get 20, 20, 20, to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. This is the bit where we test the levels. Two, I don't know, do you like jokes by guys called Nick? Um, I've got two Nick jokes. Not adverse to them. Oh, okay. Um, this is Nick Helm. Uh, what I did with these jokes was, because the jokes from this year's Edinburgh Fringe were so poor, I did a search for the best jokes ever from the Edinburgh Fringe. Right. And Nick Helm did this in 2011. He says, I needed a password eight characters long, so I picked Snow White and the Seven Dwarfs. No? Um, this is one from Nick Cody in 2015. No, you, do, you didn't give me long enough to let it settle. Ah, do you want to do it again? No, no, I just need a second. Yeah. What are you writing? I don't know. No, I'm not sure about that. I, I, I'm it, not, it's, like, kind of clever. Yeah, I'm not crazy about these one-liners per se. Uh, crash investigations. I prefer, like, a bit. Mm. I like a bit. I like a bit. Crash investigations is my favourite TV show. I've seen every episode. Here's a tip for new viewers. If the show starts with the pilots being interviewed, it'll be a boring episode. No. No. I th- Unfortunately I th- not. I think, you know what you need to do? I'll tell you who did a good bit, and that is Bill Burr. Which Bill is Burr's funny. He is funny. And this uh, struck me as something we've all thought at one time or another. You watch a detective show, and about 15 minutes into the show, they catch the guy. And you look at your watch and think... There's 40 minutes to go. There's no way he's the guy. Somebody else is mm. the guy. He's not the guy. Why are they trying to convince me that he's the guy and they've caught him? It doesn't strike me as funny. No, but it's, uh, it's, it's true. A good, no, it's a it's good... It's funny because it's true. It's a good little, like, thing. Like, a, oh, look what a, I've noticed. Yeah, it's a bit. It's what you say. But it's not like a funny bit. There was a bit somebody like Seinfeld, maybe in Seinfeld, did years and years ago, where they said, what's the etiquette? And again, it's just true rather than particularly funny in itself. What's the etiquette? So is this the part of the podcast where we just say things that are not that funny? Correct. And also not even things that we are saying. They're just you saying stuff that other people think is not that funny. No, other people think it's funny. Uh, no, people... you're saying it in a not funny way. Yeah. So rather what the people people should do is just listen to the people who say it funny. Yeah, you won't find it because it was years ago. And I'm, so, I'm not even sure it was Seinfeld. By all means, look for it on the internet. Waste half your morning looking for this. And of course, you'll find something else in the interim. But he was just saying, what, what's the etiquette when somebody is at a cash machine putting their code in and you're waiting to go on the cash machine? How far behind them? Four steps. You... Four steps, has that been established? Yeah. Oh, good. Ruthie, we're coming to a quite a, an interesting time because when you go to university, we're going to be chronicling your life at university, hopefully. And w- yeah, you were 
allowed to say that, though? Is that not embargoed? No, it's not embargoed. People know you're going to university because yeah. we've established that. It's in three weeks' time. Is it three weeks? About three weeks it, before you 29th, go? 29th, so about 29th, four weeks. About four weeks before you go. Um, we are going to be chronicling your, your time at, uh, at university uh, on the podcast, obviously, because you'll be there at university. And at the moment, we're reaching that point where... I think, and tell me if I'm wrong, that we're just about myself, your mother, and you. We're just about facing up to the fact because you, you know, you've had to sort your accommodation out for mm. a start, and we're just about facing up to the fact that this huge change. It will be a huge change because yeah. you've been with us, just the two of us, for the last couple of years, haven't you? Since the uh, since the others all moved out, yeah. So we're just about to go into this huge change. Uh, you've had a bit of a problem with your accommodation and you're now going to be in a twin room in a nice place, but you've had to... Tell me what... Well, you were telling me in the car, it's fascinating. You've had to do... It's almost like a, a dating site. You've had to talk about the sort of person you want to share your room yeah, with and it's, the it's, sort of person you are. Yeah, it's uh, trying to match you up with someone who has a similar lifestyle to you. So you've got to answer like a lot of questions about whether you are okay with having alcohol in your room, whether you're okay with someone eating in the room, uh, whether you're very tidy, medium tidy, or actually quite messy, or whatever, just Is questions like that. Is just to sort of go for medium on most of them? That you... Well, a lot of them are like yes or no. I think they've made it that way, rather than being like yes, no, and sometimes. And one, two, three, four, five. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I think it just would not work. So a lot of them are like yes or no, really have to make you face up to what, you want and what you want mm. to live like and stuff and then the hardest bit is that you have to describe yourself in three words Ruthie, which is awful where you go three words honestly so what i was doing it in the car i got friendly and respectful didn't friendly, i respectful and then number three is proving a well we were going difficult. to say cheerful oh yeah no because that's what i've put as what i would like who are the type well, of person i would like, like to you, live don't with you really i mean that's what no, you want. I want them to be nicer you want them to be nicer than you. Yeah, yeah. way nicer. Yes, but you I also don't... I don't think you do need to be slightly different. Like, I don't think it would work if the person was entirely like you. Mm. Well, well then, then maybe it would. I think the whole thing about, like, opposites attract and, like, differences make people better friends and better relationships is kind of all mm. not true. But I think that, that people get on best with people who are just like mm. them. But that's going to be... Uh, because you've been in your own room, mm. in your own home with your mum and dad, who... To be honest, do do a bit of the clearing up and all that. Oh sort of yeah, thing. no, no, you know, I agree. You recognise all that because it's going to be that big sort of life change. It's mm. still I can recognise it's a real period of uncertainty for you because initially you weren't happy with the idea of sharing a room. You can you can change if you, if you really can't get into yeah, it. Yeah, after three, about three, three weeks. Three weeks. If you term, if yeah. you because I suppose they can't keep you in a room if you're really if really you're not getting happy, along. Yeah. The person could be mental like they could mm. be like an absolute basket case so they're not going to keep you in a room with someone who you really can't yeah, get along yeah. with it's not like it's that not and so many people drop out of university in the first few weeks yeah have decided they want to take a gap year or do other stuff or yeah. just don't enjoy university want to move universities move classes whatever that there will be rooms free yeah. and because you and lots and lots of people are going through this huge change the newspapers as always have been very helpful telling us how to cope with this uh, with this change i think the best thing is like genuinely just not to think about it that much i'm just not thinking about it until i get there no but for, I, don't, I think that sometimes but it's not if just you, start, it's for me and your mother as well yeah you know, yeah no, but i mean people start preparing 
then that's what makes you more nervous. Well, let me tell you what, what, uh, the, uh, what the Sunday Times said. Uh, the headline was, Discuss how often you will keep in touch. How young people negotiate the transition to university depends on many factors from maturity and mental health to whether they're perfectionists or flexible, according to Dr Nihara Krauser, who's a consultant clinical psychologist. It's important to see it as a development stage that requires time and learning, she says. Mm. So her advice is not to ignore it completely. Honestly, I think the best advice with a lot of major life changes is ignore it completely. Well, that's what you're saying. She that's probably is... like the w- therapist would probably be like oh my gosh yes she's a consultant clinical psychologist so let's let's accept that she might know more (laughs) about this than you she says uh, encourage the development of autonomy responsibility and independence fair enough Uh, this comes from gradually changing our role this is talking to parents now this comes from gradually changing our role uh, to being supporters but not rescuers or monitors so in other words we have to be supporting of you supporting in other words yeah supporters not rescuers (laughs) yes like that but you know what i mean it's a changing role because now we would have said to you if you're out and you need a lift home, just give us a call. We'll be right there. Yeah. Yeah, which we're not able to say when you're at university, mm. I presume. But if you phone me at university and say a real crisis, I've got to support you through the crisis but not help you completely out of it. I think that's what she's saying. Uh, Patrick Lehman, who's a professor of psychology and the dean of education at King's College London's Institute of Psychiatry, says the focus in mental health is to help students avoid a sense of loneliness. Hmm. Meeting new people... I suppose that's why twin rooms are actually better. Mum was saying she's quite glad because she says that I won't go into my room and just Mm. cry and be upset that I'm away from home. And in America... Everyone is in shared rooms. Yeah. You know, so it's got like a, a precedent. Yeah. Well, people used to be, didn't they? Let's hope. Uh, meeting new people, realising for the first time maybe that you're not top of your class anymore. Oh, uh, did that at college. Did you? Oh, yeah, sorry. yeah. The, the way of working it's is totally... The, it's the fish in the pond thing. You're, you're a big fish in a little pond. Well, when you're in primary school, they're always like, big fish, little pond. Then you go to high school and they say, oh, you'll be a little fish in a big pond. Mm. And then actually... As you grow up, you're like, oh, wow, no, I was still quite a big fish in a little pond. And then when you get to university, I think that's the first time where you truly are. You're just swimming with all the other fish who are about the same. In a stream. In a stream or a a school. A (laughs) school. How apt. How apt indeed. Meeting new people, realising for the first time maybe that you're not at the top of your class anymore, that the way of working... Now, this is interesting that this... You've got to be more of a self-starter, haven't you? Oh, you've got to be, like, really self-motivated. That the way of working is totally different, can all be a concern. And this is what's been concerning me, because since you've been on holiday, or since you've come back from your holiday, you have, all right, a couple of days you were chilling, but then you seem to... When you you had A-level work to do, you worked very, very hard, and you were off at the library and all that sort of thing. Mm. But it seems... If there isn't that deadline on you, you. But when drift you're at off. university, you get work set for you. Yeah. So you think you're not concerned about that? Not massively, no. You know, the, the stuff you have to do. I'm generally yourself. okay with yeah. saying. If they say the these are sort of reading, these are books you have to read. Oh, yeah, no, I'll do that. You'll read yeah. them and everything. I think I know so, I yeah. say to you sometimes, you should read this book. No, that's completely different, though. <laughs> that's me, isn't it? You won't read it encourage them this is what i've got to do encourage them this is me encouraging you ruth to decide whether that fear is real and they can do something about it or whether it's hypothetical Mm. yeah so i'm encouraging you now the other thing that all the papers 
I've been doing is everybody seems to be very concerned about what students... We used to always laugh about the pot noodles and all that. And I sort of lived... When I was a student, I sort of lived on steak and kidney pies. Steak and kidney pies and baked beans. That's more or less... Were you buying steak and kidney pies, like, from a bakery? Hmm. Yeah. And, and baked beans. I didn't know whether you were, like, making a steak and kidney pie, and then I was like, wow, that's quite adventurous yeah, for you be, students. It certainly would. I'm catered <clears throat> in my first year. Yeah, you are. You literally don't have to worry about it. Well, let's hope it's all Due right. to the twin room situation. Yeah, and I assume that because you're catered and because it's university and because it's now 2019, there'll be lots of vegan and uh, vegetarian options, you would mm. have thought. You have to, I had to say what my dietary requirements were. And what did you say? Pescatarian. Oh, is that, was that an option? It wasn't an option, you just typed it in. You typed everything in. Uh-huh. The, it wasn't a drop-down list. So the other thing that, that, that all the papers are doing, because they don't want students eating pot noodles, is uh, giving you 10-minute recipes. Uh, These are recipes. There's cheap. like Jamie Oliver's 15-minute things that take about yeah. 45 to prepare and an hour to cook. Yeah. Well, feeds for... Cost £10, easy and cheap meals for students, was a feature in the Sunday Times. I looked through, they nearly all had chicken in them, because I presume that's, dun, the, dun, cheapest, dun. Yeah, that's the cheapest meat. But the only one I could see... Not cheaper than no meat. No, well, this is the only one I could see that would be suitable for you. 10-minute peanut butter noodles. How does that sound? You like peanut butter, you like noodles. Yeah, but uh, what it'd be like, I don't like stuff that's too like, dense. Well, it's three tablespoons of smooth peanut butter, four tablespoons of soy sauce, Oh, that's all right. Lots and salty for yeah. you. Two garlic cloves crushed. Two to three spring onions. Two tablespoons of agave nectar or AGAV. See, I'm not nectar. buying that from the supermarket. I don't even know what it is. Like the the rest of it is good because you would already kind of have that stuff in. You know, peanut butter. Well, my view is leave out. Although I probably wouldn't buy peanut butter. Because I don't eat it that often when I'm at home, really. Basically, with these recipes, anything that you can't pronounce, don't buy. No, exactly. Just put the other agave. Stuff in. Yeah, agave or agave. Not sure. I think it's agave, yeah. but I would never buy that. But you're being catered, so that's for uh, the first year. Yeah, for yeah. The first year, and after that, I don't know how much you end up cooking anyway, though. Even if you are catered, well, you're fine. It's exciting, isn't it? I mean, we say, yeah. we're looking at it with trepidation. You know, both no, sides, no, no, yeah. me and you, but it is exciting. Uh, and next year we'll be keeping everybody in touch with how it's going. And you'll be honest about it, won't you? You'll be honest about what's not going well and what is going well. But then again, like, I do find, I don't know whether it's like maybe a British thing because it's like stiff upper lip or whatever, but sometimes if I acknowledge like something's not good or that something's upsetting me, then it makes me more upset about it. Yeah, Do you know what I mean? I've seen that. I've seen that. Whereas if you kind of pretend, it's like um, Tom... Tom Hanks? Hanks, yeah. I, I was saying Hanks and then I just started to stutter. <laughs> Tom Hanks does this thing where he says, act as if, you know, act as if you're a confident person, act as if you're the best looking person in the room and then you just become that person. Wow. So sometimes I feel like if you say, oh, I'll act as if everything's fine, I'll act as if I'm happy, then you actually just become happy. This is probably another thing where therapists would be like, that is the most damaging thing you could do. Tom Hanks, who you worship, is he, Is this Tom Hanks, your religion, like the, the Church of Hanks? <laughs> I'll tell you what, it's better than the Church of Scientology. Yeah, probably. Run by another prevalent crew, uh, Tom. Tom. Oh, Tom. I ruined that. No, Damn it. Nearly. Mm. Now, we got a phenomenal amount of emails this did week. Did we genuinely? We did genuinely. You're not, are you sure you're not just scrolling what? to the bottom and going back through the old well, ones page, no pages and pages of emails 
one of the emails raised an issue that we were talking about last week in a fairly jokey way. Uh, you know that joke that was supposed to be the best joke at Edinburgh? Yeah. Where I keep shouting out cauliflower and broccoli, I think I've got florets, right? Yes. And the Tourette Society sort of objected to it. Yeah, And yeah. we thought, eh, you know, I don't know, what did we think? I, don't, I can't even remember what we said. I think we said, yeah, I get it's it. It's a pretty but rubbish joke. It, why, yeah. why are you bothering? And Gary Robson has written to us to tell us why they're bothering at the Tourette okay. Society. He says, hi guys, love the show, not a crony, but he says he, he came across me first in The Guardian when he used to write a column for The Guardian. So we've got a Guardian reader here. He says, just to go back to your comments on the Tourette's joke, first of all, Tourette's is a neurological condition. However, I mainly wanted to draw your attention to the work of Jess Tom, T-H-O-N, a brilliant performer and commentator with Tourette's. And I her- think I know who she is, you know. <clears throat> oh, do you? I think I've seen her. I think she's been on stuff that I've seen, or maybe the news or something. Mm. Anyway, she's, she's commented on the situation and says this places it in a wider perspective. So I went, I followed the link to uh, Jess Tom and what she said about the joke. Uh, she says, on Monday, Dave announced the winner of their annual competition to find the best joke of the Edinburgh Fringe. An expert panel, she's put expert in inverted commas, obviously, selected a shortlist and then the great British public voted for their favourite. The winning oh, joke... I didn't know you could vote. Yeah, apparently you can. Uh, the winning joke was a pun about Tourette's from the comedian Olaf Falafel. And she says, uh, here's the joke. We know the joke now. She says, before I go any further, I want to get a few things straight. I'm not personally offended by this joke. I'm not calling for an apology. Apology, although Tourette's action are calling for an apology. They're the Tourette's people. Uh, I have no issue with Olive. This is definitely not the worst Tourette's joke I've ever heard. It's not even the worst I've heard this week. Uh, I don't think there are subjects that uh, should be off limits for comedy if they're handled appropriately. I'm not the laughter police. Anyway, there was loads of Twitter on this um, when the Tourette's action said they were, they were calling for an apology. Yeah. Loads of people on Twitter said, you know, have a sense of humour, get lost. And there were some very, some quite vile tweets to be honest having to go to the Tourette's it was yeah. mostly sort of political correctness gone mad that sort of thing she says number one it's a secu- I'm editing this because it's about 12 pages long her discussion of this one line joke no, but it's, it's, part, a, it's an important issue though, yeah well. I, I, I think it's interesting on this it's not the joke it's the platform uh, the joke was a fleeting moment in one of thousands of Edinburgh shows without this award and the associated media attention it wouldn't, would have had uh, very limited uh, reach number two where the laughter sits the laugh in Olaf's joke doesn't sit right. It relies on the cliche that having Tourette's is just about shouting random words, which appears to be endlessly amusing to people who have no first-hand experience of the condition. Dad, can I, I know this is off-topic and obviously not great for a podcast because it's a visual, but have you seen the rain? <laughs> yes. We're recording this. I've not got a car. I've, you know what, actually, I've not got my shoes. I left my shoes in the car. Oh, did you really? Well, by the time we've finished, let's hope this uh, rain is I can't describe to you how it's biblical. Those of you who have the serious neurological condition which we call Tourette's, don't worry, the rain is way more important than Ruth's. No, I, I really do. I really do. I, I do want to hear about this, but I couldn't concentrate and I want to be able to give you my full attention while you're talking about the really important Tourette's action society. But look at the rain! <laughs> It's like out of a film. Mm. You know that you add milk to rain. Anyway, what? Yes, they did in uh, singing in the rain. rain, They added milk. You told me that. I don't know why I'm telling you it. So anyway, she says it's not. It's people have no first-hand experience. I can see exactly what she's saying. What she's saying basically is that. In itself, she's not going to make a big deal about the joke, but the fact is, it just plays into that misunderstanding of Tourette's, uh, which is 
a condition that's much yes. more it's a disabling condition which yeah. we ought to um, and it also shouldn't be taken the mick out of it shouldn't be used as a mm. punchline if you handle it right it can be yeah it's just that this one line joke is just neither here nor there really yeah anyway. and also i'm sure that people who have Tourette's would be happy to make the jokes themselves mm, I think but i think yeah, a lot of times that's it, what she's doing yeah because she is a stand-up and it's done by people who don't understand the condition uh, yes also what she's particularly uh, annoyed about is the fact that uh, well, i'll read you what she says People with Tourette's can only share in the laughter if we can get into the room and stay there. Olaf's show was in a non-wheelchair accessible venue. Oh, for God's sake. Which sex. means that I and many other people whose mobility is affected by Tourette's wouldn't have been able to get in. Uh, and he didn't offer any relaxed performances. I think they do yeah. at uh, theatres these days. Olaf's joke is far from unique. These jokes have a cumulative yeah. impact on the Tourette's uh, community. You can't have Tourette's. I've never heard you shout or swear, people say to me. It's not people like me who've had Tourette's for a long time and are accepting of their tics who will be most affected by this. It's the children being diagnosed this week, the bullied teens uh, going back to uh, school. Um, and then there's loads and loads more. She does say some comedy shows have addressed Tourette's quite well. For example, there's an episode of South Park in which Cartman pretends to have Tourette's so he can get away with swearing. But this backfires when he starts shouting out personal secrets. This episode was well researched. In my view, the laugh was on Cartman for faking it rather than on Tourette's itself. So it's the same mm. thing about punching up or punching down. And I yeah. think the, the, with comedy, it stands, you can make jokes about anything, I think, but as long as you're careful to be um, punching up and to be, you know, to be... And also, yeah, it's about involving the people who the jerk is about mm. or See, Bill the Burr, jerk is with. I, I mentioned Bill Burr. In the, he makes, he makes he does a whole load of fat shaming stuff, but he does it in Texas in front of an audience. Texas being the fattest state in the United States yeah. of America, and that's fat. And he does it in front of the audience there and does it shamelessly and says, you know, you know, I'm fat shaming here. That's what I'm doing. And I think uh, I think it works. I think yeah. it's, it's all about tone, isn't it? Really? Yeah, yeah. And also, if it's funny. Yeah, I think that's that's funny. what's the real the real clincher is that often they make the jerks and they're not funny. So why are you doing it? Then you're just doing it to be offensive. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com achieve today. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50 luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. So we'll read some of these uh, other emails that we've got. Um, some of them quite interesting, some are not quite as interesting, but we'll read them. Martin Leo says, uh, in last week's episode, you mentioned the words we use to refer to an unspecified big number. Do you remember the 40 days and 40 nights? Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. 
um, things like squillions. These are properly called indefinite hyperbolic numerals. Right, so, there we go. That was what is on the tip of my tongue. Yeah. Indefinite hyperbolic numerals and have the fun property that even though they aren't real numbers, everyone agrees that a bazillion is more than just a zillion, which is bigger than umpteen. Um, and there's more on this at www.theallusionist.org uh, forward slash allusionist forward slash zillions if you're interested. I like the allusionist. Yeah. That's the podcast, oh, isn't it? Is it? Yeah, yeah. yeah. With Helen and Zaltzman. Helen Zaltzman, yeah. Yeah. Uh, going back to the late night pizza question, Mark says, uh, I was given a sandwich toaster before I went to uni, and it was a real asset. Yeah, Great. everyone says get a sandwich toaster. Ah, Great for weekend. See, we're giving these tips for students already. We haven't even started yet. Uh, Great for weekend brunches, post-pub grub, or entertaining bored friends at four in the afternoon. Everyone loves a toasted sandwich. It's true. Everyone loves a toasted Although, can I say something about the toasted sandwich maker? I would prefer just a like a farm and grill, you know, like a or a flat one or one with ridges or whatever. Because mm. the ones with the, the toasty ones where it, it splits them in half and it's like mm. two pockets, the bread never really truly fits in it. So then you're left with like a two pockets and then like a bit on around the outside. And I, I think you're better off with just going for like a grill type. I agree one. with you. And also those those traditional sort of Breville sandwich uh, toasty sandwich makers, the filling gets. It gets really hot, and it gets um, shoved into that one, the pocket section, mm. rather than being evenly spread and thing. Yeah. No, you're right, uh, Tony. But Gill- I think a, a grill thing. You can make loads of stuff on those. You can do like chips and stuff. Mm. Uh, Tony Gould says, "Hi, Ruth and Martin. I have a suggestion." Hi, Tony. He says, uh, "I have." So you have to do if you're on children's television. Hi, Tony. Is that what you're going for, a career in children's television? I could see you doing that, to be honest. I, yeah, I'd quite enjoy it, I think. Yeah, that or um, dressing up as a Disney character. Mm. I have a suggested solution for Ruth's bedtime phone charging problem, says Tony. <laughs> uh, use a portable battery. It fi- no, that's not it the fi- same thing. Well, let me tell you what his argument. It fits easily on the bed. During the day, charge the battery. Uh, you can buy a traditional monolith design, or now they sell them in shapes like unicorns and Pokemon. I also offer a cure for insomnia. Just read this email, says Tony. So that's his solution. Your great dragon's that is not the That is not the same thing at no. all. Because also, I don't want to have to be charged something in the day to then charge at night to then remember to put it back on the charger in the day that's not okay that's not the same thing but also somebody did tweet me a picture of this dragon's dendies device which you've invented which sadly somebody has already invented <sighs> it's a row of different plastic things and you just fit your cable into the plastic i need no to rubber, see it no rubber suckers involved no because i think that there that's like a bigger thing i want just a small thing that barely you can even see on the thing mm. i i on the table i still believe that this is this will make me rich uh, Robert Oberti writes to us, says, uh, Dear Martin and Ruth, I wouldn't worry about the apparent lack of emails you're receiving. We're all still here. Well, this week, a phenomenal number. Uh, enjoying your exchanges. If you do want to get in touch. Well, we'll tell him in a sec. Because oh, okay. we've got lots more to, to go Oh, through. was this not the last one? No. He says, We're all still here enjoying your exchanges. But I will say that you, Martin, uh, don't mention your Spotify playlist nearly enough. Brian Long, who is a crony. Brian Long's like one of your actual mates. He's one of That's them. That's like how having 
one of my friends well, just email it. We'd love to have your friends email it. Re-champagne cork infl- inflicted injuries. How much more distraught would the young man from Love Island uh, have been if the cork that caught him in the eye hadn't popped out of a bottle of fine vintage champagne but from a cheap bottle of supermarket carver? Uh, the shame of it. He also says it was interesting to listen to Ruth talk about the drugs culture at Leeds Festival. It's certainly come a long way from watching some long-haired bloke in loon pants weighing out and selling little bags of weed in Leeds University Union Bar circa 1973. He says, it's okay, I never inhaled. And that's oh, from, yeah, I believe that when I that, see it, that's Brian. That's a reference to Bill Clinton. That he's, oh, really? Is that yeah, what he did? Well, he was at Oxford and he said that he, when he, he had drugs when he was at Oxford University, but never inhaled. What? Seemed to make, well, people were passing around a, a joint. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he... Oh, so he just like pretended he just, like he didn't take uh, it back. That's what he said. That's what he said. <laughs> Karen Faith says uh, hi Martin and Ruth and has sent me a marvellous documentary it's about Russian gymnasts uh, oh, I uh, love a documentary about Russian gymnasts well, that to... 30 for 30 word I could quote along with that yeah. love well it. this is a BBC one uh, a brilliant doc says uh, Karen and she says Ruth congratulations on the exam results and good luck at uni Thanks. Stephen Walker says, here's one from the United States. Uh, Thank you for keeping me both entertained as well as generally informed about a wide array of UK topics during my commute into New York. Uh, I'm originally from Manchester, so really enjoy the northern flavour. I think it's a reference to um, you always standing up for the north. Yeah, yeah. love the north. Love the north. And as the father of two daughters, just a couple of years older than Ruth, I've recommended your podcast to many of their peers, so he's actually spreading the word. The wow. Podcast. The feedback is Yes. He said no, don't mention that. The <laughs> feedback has been very positive for sure, especially when it comes to Ruth's insights. Oh thanks. Uh, Ruth, have a great time at school, as they call it in uh, America. And if you haven't done so already, I think you have actually, check out The Clash. He says, the only band that really matters. I haven't um, really listened to The Clash at all. Uh, Listen to the Cure a bit, but not mm. the Clash. Well, they're on my... Uh, sp- oh, my well, God. They are. We might- but they're also just a band. They... <laughs> Just, Do you think stuff doesn't exist unless it's on your Spotify playlist? Well, Stephen Walker says they're more than just a band. He said they're the only band that really matters. And he says, P.S., I was 16 in 1977. That's why I love The Clash so much. I think there's an explanation there. Uh, Richard Taylor, another one that absolutely enjoys it. He's been subscribing since it started. I play bits of it on my show on talk radio in the middle of the night whenever he's fast asleep. Except Richard, Richard Taylor, because he listens to it there. And he says... Has he got insomnia or something? Maybe. The uh, insomniac audience is your main one. And the Far Eastern <laughs> Truckers as well. Uh, trucker, yeah, we, we do. We have um, we have at least one trucker, Carve the Trucker, who gets in touch with us every week. Aww. She says, I love the dynamic between you two, which is obviously purely for the uh, microphone. Oh, yeah, we don't speak. No dynamic at home. Um, Silence. Mm, I love the dynamic between you two, and uh, you are a great double act, he says. So bless him for that. Like Ant and Deck. Yeah. Congratulations to Ruth on her A-level results. <laughs> with less drugs, though. <laughs> and I hope that the podcast still continues in some format once Ruth starts at university. Well, it is. We're going to chronicle uh, a year at university, how that works. But also talk about some of the topics, I think, as well. Because yeah. that's always interesting, to get your take on what's going on, etc. Uh, 
Twitter. So thank you, Richard. And finally, Matt, who enjoyed it again, particularly... Uh, oh, Richard, before we leave it, he's also cleared up one thing from last week. He says, uh, Martin asks whether you can drive if you're blind in one eye. You definitely can. As my 85-year-old father was born with no sight in his left eye, drove for about 60 years, and in his younger life, drove lorries and coaches. Oh, well. I wondered if there was some, you know... If, yeah, yeah. If I think as long as lot. you can read the number plate, that's the test they do for your eyesight. You've got to read the number plate of a car sort of 20 yards down yeah. the road or something. Um, so he says, um, yes, you can. Uh, he says, on that interesting fact, I'll bid you, <laughs> I'll bid you adieu. Uh, and Matt says, um, particularly interested to hear you love Bob Mortimer on Would I Lie to You? His appearances on there are legendary. I must catch up on some of those. Yeah, I told you. There's I've like massive two, big complica- compilations on, um, on YouTube. YouTube where yeah. it's just like just Bob Mortimer's stories and yeah. they're brilliant. They are. You would love them. I've, I've seen a couple of them and I do like them. Uh, have you seen his fishing show on BBC Two? With oh, Paul this yeah, this got um, nominated for a BAFTA. Yeah, it's had great yeah. reviews. I haven't um, actually seen no, it. Though. Me neither. Uh, one of the, there's just too much to watch. There's too much. You know, once you're mm. on Netflix, there's like tons of stuff to watch. Has everyone watched the um, Have You Weinstein documentary because that was really good. That was really good. That, that Although surprisingly, they didn't get Rose McGowan. That's who I wanted to hear. Well, she speak. obviously didn't want to do it. Yeah, you see, they got everybody who wanted to do it. And yeah, anybody yeah, yeah. who didn't want to do it didn't do it. And some people don't like talking about it on TV. No, but Rose is, that Rose McGowan's been on TV and everything. Yeah. Like, she's done loads of Maybe things. Maybe she so didn't that's why I like thought. the idea. I think some people are quite careful, and, that, and you should be as well, as to what the tone of the documentary is, what, yeah. what they're doing. Because it did... Sometimes when they were speaking to the men who knew him back in the day, the ones that never quit especially, it did take on a slight kind of wow he was so brilliant turn didn't you think well i mean all that to be because i know that he was talented but when the women were saying of course like gen he was talented they weren't saying in such a like a oh Mm. oh, oh, i'm not sure or i'll do yeah and reverence reverent way yeah 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 but I'm not sure how talented Harvey Weinstein was. You know, that was the great dialogue that came out you know, when, when he got exposed and everything. Everybody said, oh, yeah, but look at those great films he produced. I look at films like Shakespeare in Love and My Left Foot, and uh, I'm not sure whether My Left Foot was one of his, but he did move his My Left Foot was, yeah. yeah. It came out the same time as pa- yeah. Cinema Paris. So Sha- Shakespeare in Love, My Left Shakespeare Foot. Shakespeare in Love's a great film. See, I don't think it's a great film. And The English oh, Patient. The English yeah, but he also backed, like, Notting... Uh, I've never seen it, but he also backed him, um, like... I almost said Notting Hill then, I didn't mean that. I meant Goodwill Hunting. He yeah, also another backed another rubbish like film. <gasps> I do not say Goodwill Hunting is rubbish. Well, Goodwill you know Hunting I mean? is so many people's favourite. What film. his talent was, and it said it in the piece, his talent was jockeying to get awards, putting all that effort into yeah. getting these films Oscar nominated, so that it became the wisdom of the day that the English patient, oh, the English patient's great film, my left foot's I've a never brilliant seen film. That. They're not Pulp you know, Fiction, I draw, a genuine good film. Yeah, Pulp Fiction. I've like, not seen it. Tarant- but. Tarantino, but I think we, I don't think Pulp Fiction stands up that that well. Interesting. So? I'm going to talk. About a film from 1977 later that does stand up really well but I'm not sure Weinstein but had I, any I still talent think that other than schmoozing and yeah, yeah. managing but then to that promote... is a talent in itself yes I think yes that, that is a talent in itself and he had yeah yeah, yeah. Uh, but, and also, but then it did the, I think what was re- I found really interesting about the thing is that when women found out about it even if they didn't completely come forward even if they didn't uh, maybe speak back as much as they should or they took the non-disclosure agreements which maybe they shouldn't have done in hindsight mm. or whatever they quit their jobs they 
straight away the fir- the fir- the old woman who was involved well, right the at the beginning the she program, quit her job yeah. the w- women look, they had on the program but then we all the men they had on the program none of them quit yeah well one one or two of them once did, again actually. women proving themselves no, the no, better no, sex I th- no i think the women quit because they couldn't work in that environment i can yeah. understand that entirely but we only heard the, that was the sort of narrative of the program we probably only heard from women we don't know what happened we don't know how gwyneth paltrow got her job we don't know how you know so yeah. I'm, I'm not suggesting anything, but there is the possibility still that, uh, you know, they knew what a complete scumbag he was, but yeah, yeah. they wanted to be in Shakespeare in Love, which is a rubbish film. But Shakespeare in Love was, is not a rubbish film. Yeah. Have you seen Shakespeare in Love? Yeah, yeah, I saw Shakespeare in Love when it came out. I saw all those films when it came out. Shakespeare in Love, it was good. We got shown Shakespeare in Love in my English class. <laughs> oh, did you? Yeah, yeah. I'd already seen it, but we did get shown it in class. pre-Weinstein days. No, I mean, they would still show it now, I'm sure, but... Yeah, um, yeah I don't see any problem with I, I get it why movies. those women would do that, though. Should we have some music? Yes, uh, well, I'm going to talk about rom-coms, which... Oh, love them. Yes, I know you love them, and I love them too. Um, you don't get so many of them these days. Not, not, good, um, not true rom-coms. The Goodbye Girl was a film in 1977 written by Neil Simon, who's this brilliant, very witty writer in uh, New York, that sort of New York Jewish sort of wit. Uh, and there's loads of it in this film. Uh, it was 1977, and uh, Richard Dreyfus won an Oscar for it. Basically, the plot is, there's this girl, her boyfriend's a bit of a scumbag, they share a flat... He moves, goes somewhere else, leaves her, and without telling her, sublets the other room in the flat. So all of a sudden, one night, uh, Richard Dreyfus turns up. He's an actor. He's a bit annoying and everything. They hate each other at the start, obviously. And then they and fall in love. And then they fall in love. Uh, it sounds great. Uh, you'd love it. You would absolutely love it. But it's, it's, it's not... It, it's this is the problem with films like this, actually. is that they're just not... If it's not on Netflix and it's not on mm. the Sky Cinema mm. thing... Then you just don't watch yeah. it. Anyway, he's an unsuccessful actor, and then towards the end of the movie, they live in there in New York. He gets offered to go to Hollywood, and he has to take it because it's for her career. And because she's been let down before, she assumes he's leaving her forever. So he, and that's why she's called the Goodbye Girl because all her boyfriends have sort of left her, yeah. and she thinks she's going to get defecated upon from a great height once more. That's what the song's all about. It's by uh, a very seventies thing. It's very soppy, but I think you will get an idea of the movie from this. Oh, it's hard believing the words you've heard before. But darling, you must trust them just once more. That's Goodbye Girl by David Gates. Have you heard of David Gates? Um, it's a bit romantic comedy-ish. Yeah, it's a bit bit boring. Don't you like it? A bit soppy. I think not much it. to it, is there? No, there's not much to it. And the thing about... Uh, I'm sure heard? it's good in the back of a film, but just to listen to it, I'm not sure. Well, it's a bit like the theme from Tootsie as well. You know, it's Tootsie. No, not that. Not that theme from Tootsie. That's, oh. You're thinking of the uh, the actual incidental music. You know, Tootsie, etc., etc. Dave Grusin, I think that. Um, not Stephen Bishop, who did uh. the sentimental song, which is a bit like David Gates' yeah, song. Yeah, it is sent- too sentimental. That song. Okay. Have you heard uh, of Bread? Bread. A group called Bread. The 
I know you've heard of Lovely, bad, delicious, carby treat. No, not the delicious carby treat, but the 1970s uh, Hollywood not. band. No, well, that was David Gates' band. Born in 1940, still gigging, still doing gigs. That's, that is cool. And he's nearly 80. Yours, tell me about yours. Mine is a song, it's a brand new song, uh, by the uh, by Bombay Bicycle Club, and it's called Eat, Sleep, Work, and then in brackets, Nothing But You. <laughs> There you go. Uh, Eat, sleep, wake. Nothing but you by Bombay Bicycle. Now I've heard of Bombay Bicycle. You've heard of Bi- Bombay Bicycle. I have. Club. They've been going for ages. Ages. So they started in two thousand and five, um, but this is their first new music since two thousand and fourteen's uh, number one selling album, uh, "So Long, See You Tomorrow," because they had a hiatus between two thousand and sixteen and two thousand eighteen. Uh, so they've been away from ages. They're a, an indie rock band from Crouch End in London and uh, the lead guy is a a boy called Jack Steadman and we describe them as uh, indie rock because I've I've heard uh-huh. I've heard the name on Six Music. And well, they're, they're named they're, after well, the restaurant. Well, there's a restaurant called the Bombay Bicycle Club. There's a restaurant Club. chain in America called Bombay Bicycle Club. In, uh, it's got one in California mm. and other places, but that's what they're named after. Right. So when the uh, BBC disappears altogether, they will become the BBC, the Bombay Bicycle Club. <laughs> yeah. True. It's interesting how many things that we've talked about on the podcast, you think, well, we've dealt with that, that'll go away now, and it's still in the papers every single week. because once we've dealt with something, it goes away. It it goes viral, doesn't it, really? But no, there's loads of stuff we think, oh, that's a big story in the paper, we'll look at it. Uh, Love Island, we've almost forgotten about Love Island, apart from you did bring up the champagne cork uh, Mm. shock horror. But it's still in the news. This is, this is the latest story about Love Island. Schools teaching new relationships and sex education, RSE. Did you do RSE at no. uh, school? I, I went to Catholic school as well. Yeah. So it's not, it, it, we didn't do anything. No. Anyway. We did like reproductive education, which is just like um, the science. Uh, and then did you not do relationships at we didn't all? Do, did we, didn't do, say... we, we did a bit about sort of like um, the ethic, like, like re- religious ethics to do with relationships but only a tiny bit we really i honestly do think that it could have been like actually against the law to not teach us something because we didn't do anything so because i have friends who did um you know putting like a condom on a cucumber and stuff like that did you not put um, a condom on a cucumber nope so you you're now eating salads and you're just eating just yeah just just raw just, just plain cucumbers blimey mm-hmm. anyway the school's teaching no i do i do think that it's but I think well, it now it's has so been bad. I think it's been brought in it's a lot more. In. Even in I think the it's last been brought year. in since you left. Um, yeah, yeah. Um, but I think it's, think it's brilliant because yeah. they do need to teach it. Yeah, because it's definitely only been brought in over the last couple of years because we've had all the demonstrations, especially mm-hmm. in Birmingham and outside. You know, schools are a lot of Muslims and that sort of thing. Um, school, well, no, that was about t- teaching 
about gay yes no, about it's LGBT. Part the, it's part of the RLC oh part syllabus. of the right yeah, okay it's part of the syllabus anyway schools teaching new relationship and sex education lessons have been warned that using clips from the reality television series Love Island which some are using as a sort of illustrative of relationship things could trigger body image anxiety in boys the warning comes from the PSHE association that's the personal social and health education association uh, which he- helps teachers plan for those sort of lessons. It comes after a report found that more than 200,000 UK children are unhappy with their lives and boys are particularly at risk. The Good Childhood Report by the Children's Society, everybody's having a go at this, said uh, one in 12 boys aged 10 to 15 were unhappy with their appearance uh, last year and those impossibly ripped bodies uh, that you see on Love Island are adding to this anxiety. Would you agree with that? Yeah, I would agree. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I do think. I also think um, the the bodies you see in Love Island especially hard for boys because they kind of they don't diversify uh, the men's bodies really at Mm. all. There was one guy last year who wasn't completely ripped, but apart from that, they're all like ripped. What's the GI Joe? They're all GI Joe. Is that that what you say? No, I no, no. I meant I meant like action figures. Yeah, like they're all like that. But did you just make up the expression? They're all GI Joe. Yeah. I don't know, is G.I. Joe even ripped? Well, I'm suspecting so, because he's... Yeah, yeah I just meant they look like action figures, really. Mm. But if you just and, um, made that up, they're all G.I. Joe. It's, uh, you've just coined oh, something. Oh, coined, there you go. Yeah, uh, but then I would also say, like, on the flip side of that, it's a really, really good way to get children engaged in learning about relationships. What, Love Island? Yeah, yeah, brilliant. And, the, like, um, there's a lot of examples of manipulative behaviour and stuff that is way more nuanced and is hard to teach without real life examples and compared to making fake films the clip of love island is so much more exciting for a kid to Mm. watch that then it's kind of like swings and roundabouts in it if you if you're getting children to be engaged in something and learning about unhealthy behaviors in relationships then maybe take the hit do you know what i mean and if they're gonna have love island on tv anyway you might as well use it for lessons Now, there's something specifically you wanted to raise this week. Yeah, I wanted to talk about doctors and medicine and, like, feminism. So doctors generally believe um, women less when it comes to illnesses. um, Who says that? So there's a woman called Gabrielle Jackson who's written an article, but she's also written a book which is called Pain and Prejudice, which is an investigation into gender bias in medicine. Uh, And so obviously she's done tons and tons of research into it. Uh, But there's also... Uh, there's been uh, studies to do with how they don't use female mice in drug trials and those kind of things so there's been other stuff but anyway so she's come out with this kind of thing when she's been doing research into it she's found that a lot of women if they're suffering from chronic pain or any kind of pain like that then the doctors are less likely to know about it because generally doctors don't really know that much about female bodies because all the studies have been done into male bodies and what stuff. What about the female doctors? The last... Yeah even gynecologists so really? she goes but into... Even female general practitioners because I'm just thinking about the last two or three times I've been to the doctors I, I, I've seen a, a female practitioner. Yeah so it's not, it's not about whether the doctor is male or female it's about all the research that goes into it and when you're learning you learn about male bodies not female bodies it's not actually about the doctor it's not the doctor who well the doctor is but it's about gender bias in doctor 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 in, in, in medicine doctory no medicine 
doctor is not a word no gender it's about gender bias in medicine not actual doctors although that does play into it is that doctors treat women less like they nurse stuff dr janine austin clayton the director of the u.s office of research told the uh, on women's health (laughs) that's important on women's health told the new york times we literally know less about every aspect of female biology compared to male biology Uh, so she goes back centuries and finds it was like in the modern era medicine switched its attention to the nervous system and then it blamed illness on weak nerves you can see that in lots of period dramas they're always going my nerves my nerves and that kind of thing and then in the early 20th century when the endocrine system was discovered raging hormones became the chief source of blame and then it also goes into a thing of uh, we're less likely to listen to women about pain with things like endometriosis which has become a really big story so this well, woman emma barnett has, emma it. Barnett has it become a big story <laughs> but this is this woman gabrielle jackson was also diagnosed mm. with it when she was 23 and that's right. why she started researching all these things i'll tell you what if you want to raise awareness and raise money for a disease Make sure a celebrity has it, <laughs> yeah. and then, uh, you know, then it becomes, you know, all over the place. Yeah, yeah, true. Uh, yeah, I mean, I never knew the word endometriosis until Emma Barnett. Got but that's it. the problem: is that you didn't know the word endometriosis. One in ten women have it. If there was a severe chronic pain illness that one in ten men have then you would know the name of it. You would have always known the name of it. Possibly. I, 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 do, I truly do believe that. I think what Emma Barnett's mm. doing is really great and stuff. Like, I think you should be raising awareness about it. But then it also... This is the bit that I found really interesting. This is why I wanted to bring it up. So at the heart of most of the illnesses that uh, we tend to ignore stuff like endometriosis is because they're related to women's productive pro- uh, reproductive processes like menstruation and pregnancy breastfeeding and menopause attention is stripped away from the pain of it because there it's a sign of women fulfilling their ultimate purpose which is children and so that's why we kind of ignore it in a lot of ways i just thought it was so terrifying that even doctors didn't know that much about women's bodies Well, that's a cheerful subject to uh, to end on endometriosis. Um, me. I think now we've mentioned. Well, I was going to say now we've mentioned it on our podcast. You know, action will be taken. <laughs> What's the meme of the week? Oh, but before we say oh, the meme, oh, we ought to give the address out for the email. That's what I was Definitely. doing. Oh, go ahead. If you want to email and us... We do, we, we've demonstrated that we take them seriously, yeah, yeah. read them, etc, etc. Really, yeah, genuinely. We love them. Um, then you can email at martinandruthpodcast at gmail.com. It's martinandruthpodcast at gmail.com. And just one more time, because Dad likes to say it three times. martinandruthpodcast at gmail.com. And if there's anything you want to raise that we've talked about in this podcast, we, you know, we'd like to, we'd like to correct them, like the, you know, the one-eyed thing, the champagne cork thing. Uh-huh. Uh, and then if you go over to Spotify, um, then you can listen to the songs from This Week in Full and all the other songs from all the other weeks. If you type in Martin and Ruth or Ruthie, me and my dad, then it will come up with the playlist. And you can also listen to the podcast on Spotify. Hmm. Meme of the week, Ruth. Yes. So this is uh, someone's tweet that's been like turned into a meme. Uh, remember when you were little and you'd fall on the trampoline and everyone would keep jumping so you couldn't get back up? That's exactly how adult life feels. <laughs> That's so true. That's another of those things like those uh, things that we did at the start that aren't particularly funny as such. No, not funny true. as such, yeah. But they're true. Excellent. Not funny, but true. <laughs> not funny, but true. And if you want more of that sort of stuff, um, we'll be back next week. Mm-hmm. 
Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns.